live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I may train for the pickleball tour, senior golf tour, coach my kids, or all of the above. I'll let you know. And with that, social media went rampant and took off running about the possibility of Drew Brees at 43 years old returning to the New Orleans Saints to play quarterback. Good afternoon and welcome, everyone. I'm Jordy Holtberg, my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studio, which is on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 Lake Charles, as our good friends that that know and love the McNeese Cowboys um, are with us as well. So, You don't really think Drew Brees is coming back to play quarterback, do you? At 43 years old, retired from football in March of 2021, spent last season as an NFL analyst for NBC on their Sunday night primetime uh, studio show. Drew wasn't all that good in the studio. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. And now with... Tom Brady coming on board whenever he decides to come on board. Hmm. We'll see. We shall see. Would you want Drew Brees to return to the New Orleans Saints? Well, we'll discuss this and much, much more throughout the course of the day. It was the worst of times for LSU baseball and UL baseball. Both teams swept the Tigers at home by Ole Miss, something that had never happened in their 116 year of of playing baseball. They were never swept in Baton Rouge by the Ole Miss Rebels, but they are. And you can kiss LSU's idea of hosting a regional bye-bye, bye-bye. The Raging Cajuns went to Texas State, the best team in the uh, Sunbelt Conference, and uh, they lost three straight games to them. And right now, Louisiana is at 17 and 10 overall. Texas State's at 23 and 4. The Cajuns are in fourth place now, a solid fourth, uh, trailing Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina, trying to hold off South Alabama, who's just one game behind them, and Georgia State, who's two games behind them, as they go down the stretch with uh, Nichols on Tuesday. Little Rock on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all four games at the Teague, and then it's Sunbelt Conference tournament time. Softball, LSU, uh, after being outed by Mississippi State in the Southeastern Conference tournament, they will take their softball team on the road this Friday at the NCAA tournament in Tempe as a number two seed. 
LSU will open up play Friday night in Tempe at 7 p.m. against San Diego State. The other matchup is Arizona versus Cal State Fullerton. Meanwhile, the Raging Cajun softball contingent, uh, winners of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament after a 4-2 win over Coastal Carolina, 9-1 over Troy, and then back-to-back wins over Texas State, one zip in eight innings, extra innings. And on Saturday, they win the championship game 7-2-1. They will take their squad to Clemson, South Carolina for the Clemson Regional, and the Cajuns will take on Southeastern Conference opponent Auburn. Clemson's also in the field, and UNC Wilmington is in it as well. So we've got that. Uh, the Cowboys of McNeese, um, their baseball team, boy, <laughs> I don't know what they ate, but they won four in a row, and they outscored Houston Baptist on the road in Houston 23 to 5 on Thursday, 16 to 6 on Friday, and 14 to 9 on Saturday. My goodness gracious. They will open up Southland Conference tournament play this Thursday versus eighth seeded Incarnate Word. That's a 6 p.m. matchup at Joe Miller Ballpark in Lake Charles. So home field advantage for uh, the McNeese. Cowboys and uh, baseball. Uh, Meanwhile, the Cowgirls of Southeastern, the softball ball club, winners of the Southland Conference Tournament, six to five over Northwestern State in extra innings, seven to six in extra innings over Southeastern on Thursday. And then on Friday, they wrap things up in winning against Southeastern 10 to four. They are in the NCAA tournament as well. They'll head to uh, Evanston, Evanston, Illinois, Evanston, Illinois. Uh, they will take on as a number three seed, the Notre Dame fighting Irish, uh, also in the tournament, the number nine overall seed Northwestern, uh, and, uh, the number four seed Oakland. So Northwestern hosting, uh, the cowgirls are a number three seed and they'll take on Notre Dame Friday at 1 p.m. So there you have all of that. Um, in the NBA, we have the conference championships determined now, thanks to some game sevens yesterday. And um, Dallas, wow, wow. At halftime, Phoenix had 27 points. Luka Doncic had 27 points for the Mavericks. Dallas wins the best of seven series on the road. Game seven with a 123-90 win over the Phoenix Suns. The Boston Celtics went on the road and um, had the game of their life from former Tennessee volunteer uh, Gary Williams, who had 27 points to go on with Jason Tatum's 23 and Jalen Brown's 19 and outscoring Milwaukee 31 to 21. Um, Well, it all started in the second period. They outscored Milwaukee by 11 in the second, by 10 in the third, by 13 in the fourth, and one going away by 28, 109 to 81, setting up the NBA Eastern Conference Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. And that will get underway 
on Tuesday, game one in Miami. And the Western Conference Finals, which gets underway Wednesday in San Francisco, it will be Dallas versus Golden State. We've got uh, the second major of the golf season starting this Thursday at Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is the PGA Championship. Uh, Tigers back in it. Phil Mickelson is not as the defending champion. Boy, what a what a difference a year makes in the life of a Phil Mickelson. Jordan Spieth will go for his um, golfing grand slam. It'll be his sixth attempt to win the PGA Championship, the one and only um, title not on his resume. So we'll see. Phil Mickelson again. Uh, not defending his championship. You have to go back in the history books back to 1953 when Ben Hogan won the only PGA championship, the only open championship he ever played in. Um, Hogan at the 1954 Open uh, did not defend his championship, and I can't think of anyone else prior to or after that that did not. So Phil Mickelson not going to defend his title at the PGA championship. So, Uh, Let me tell you what we have in store for you and yours today. Chris Reed will join us as he normally does here in just a few minutes. And we'll recap what certainly is a, um, a disappointing weekend of LSU baseball outplayed in every aspect for three days in a row, swept at home by Ole Miss for the first time in the 116 years the teams have played each other. Woo. Tigers are now 33 and 18 overall, 14 and 13 in SEC play. They've got Nichols on Tuesday, and then they've got on the road Vanderbilt Thursday, Friday, Saturday before they find out when and who they play in the SEC tournament. So we'll have Chris Reed on. Mason Ginsburg will join us. We'll talk all things NBA uh, as we've got four teams left in the tournament. Uh, Karaski Melvin will join us to kick off hour number two. We always give the Raging Cajuns their love. They'll talk about baseball. We'll talk about softball. Uh, Mike Neighbors, for all those years, always had the final say in the final interview with Drew Brees after every game, home and away. Mike Neighbors will join us, get his thoughts on the uh, the cryptic tweet from Drew. He did, normally doesn't tweet. It's mostly instagram but he got out there after the word got out that that nbc no longer wanted his services as a studio host um and he went out there and tweeted that and he had to throw in there i may come back and play quarterback so we'll get mike's now thoughts on that blake rafino will join us uh lsu gets another commitment running back trey holly trey holly Um, One of those premier running backs um, from a small school here in the state of Louisiana. And LSU picked up another commitment from cornerback Dalen Austin of Long Beach, California, who chose LSU over offers from Bama, Oregon, Penn State, USC. Tigers have six commitments for the class of 2023. We'll go over all of those with Blake Rafino. So that's what we've got in store for you and yours today. We are presented each and every Monday by... Eon of Lafayette, Eon of Lafayette, which is the smarter body contouring, the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device 
for non-invasive permanent fat loss. It's in Lafayette right there in River Ranch, soon to be one in Baton Rouge off of Corporate Boulevard. Look, you exercise, you eat right, and sometimes you just can't get rid of that area, that troublesome spot. And you men know this. As you get older, that's where everything goes. It goes right there to the midsection. Well, Smarter Body Contouring by Eon, which was um, inspired by one woman and her team of robotics engineers, looked around. They saw all these devices that just didn't work. They didn't work, and they pulled, and they pinched, and they sucked, and they froze, and they strapped down the patient. That's nothing like Eon of Lafayette. It is painless, touchless, feelless, and it works. Get rid of that troublesome spot that you just can't get rid of. Do it the easy way, the comfortable way, and the relaxing way. They've got financing packages available for you and yours. Look it up. Eon, E-O-N of Lafayette. It's the uh, it's non-invasive, and it's permanent fat loss, and it works. All right, we got a busy Monday plan for you and yours. We'll recap the debacle. I've never seen anything quite like what I'm going to talk to Chris Reed about. LSU had a starting pitcher that threw one pitch and was pulled. One pitch and was pulled. Never seen anything like it. We'll try to figure out the explanation when we return. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Happy Monday. Let's roll. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 19 minutes after the hour. Time to talk a little LSU baseball and not much good to talk about at all as they get swept by the Ole Miss Rebels. Former Tiger and a friend of our program. He joins us each and every Monday now through college baseball season. Chris Reed, kind enough to join us. Chris, uh, wow. Um, Everybody thought Ole Miss was uh, for dead, but they've won six in a row. Back-to-back sweeps of Missouri and LSU. That's that hadn't happened ever before uh, in the 116 years these two teams have played baseball. Wow, we talk. You talk about a, a surprise and a blow to the Tigers. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, not much went well this weekend. Um, they uh, they obviously I got outplayed, and, and Ole Miss is getting hot right now. You got to tip your cap to uh, Coach Bianco and and their group uh, for showing some resolve because, I mean, if you, you know, at the beginning of the year, they're ranked number one in the country and they fell off a cliff and they're starting to get healthy right now. And I felt like a lot of people have been overlooking them, but they came into this weekend um, finally healthy and you kind of got a glimpse of what they're capable of doing. Uh, You know, we we always kind of get leery when we mention LSU pitching, and we've always said, well, LSU's got the bats to keep them in every game except against Ole Miss when they manage just four runs and eight hits on a uh, on a doubleheader, the the conclusion of game one it was it was called Friday night and resumed on Saturday. Uh, they lost that one five to three, and then Ole Miss just it looked like the the Tigers were lifeless in an eleven to one loss. Just four runs and eight hits 
Uh, Kate Doty had an 0 for 11 weekend. You can't win games like that. No, you're, you're not going to win games when you, when you have one of your most productive bats um, going over. And if I'm not mistaken, they had 30-plus strikeout uh, on the weekend yeah. as well. Uh, you, you look back to Friday night's game with the rain out. You know, those things obviously don't help. Uh, but mm-hmm. you would you would love to see a little more composure and, and fight and will in the team uh, the following couple days. And unfortunately, we didn't get that. And it just seemed like Ole Miss kind of felt that uh, felt that turn in the in the energy and kind of jumped on it from the start and never let up. Yeah, you're right, uh, Chris Reed joining us. Uh, okay, exp- you played baseball. I you know I played grammar you know, grammar school, whatever you want to call it. Um, in the summertime. So tell me this, Sunday's game, um, LSU trots out there with Samuel Dutton on the mound, throws one pitch and gets get, um, Jacob Hasty. Uh, he gave up a double, throws one pitch and replaced by Jacob Hasty. Have you ever seen anything like that? And please tell me what what's the the reasons behind letting a pitcher go out there, throw one pitch, and then sit down. How does that – what is that? I, I, I have never seen that uh, in my life. Uh, and I played baseball for 21 years. Um, I felt like I played probably hundreds and hundreds of games, if not into the thousands, and I had never seen that. And, you know, it's, with baseball, you can always kind of see uh, something new anytime you show up to the park. But I couldn't even give you any feedback on what the thought process of that was. I know, I know Coach Johnson had mentioned to the media that he was trying basically to kind of psych him out. Uh, but but I, I don't really necessarily believe uh, that thought process or that, <laughs> that, that reason. Uh, it, it really – I mean, I, my phone blew up with people asking me right off the bat, like, what's going – like, what the heck are they thinking, yada, yada, yada. And um, it, it doesn't really show very, you know, it doesn't show very, mu- very much belief in your pitcher, uh, and then it could also negatively affect the uh, defense as well. Because you know, if you if you're not showing belief in your pitcher, you know, it could leak over into other things. So I didn't really like the move um, for whatever reason. It obviously didn't work out. Hasty came in. He did his best, um, but. You know, like I said, Ole Miss really, really uh, didn't let it phase them, and they and they jumped all over the Tigers uh, as quickly as they could. Okay, you said it. You said they tried to trick them. Okay, um, that tells me a coach is trying to get too cute. He's trying to overthink things. He is getting in the way of uh, simplicity. Um, and LSU baseball shouldn't be about tricking anyone. LSU sports shouldn't be about tricking anyone. It's our guys against your guys. We think we've got better guys than you do, and we're going to go show you. We're going to go play the game. We're going to play the game the right way, and we're going to beat you fair and square. Trying to trick somebody in the very beginning, that, that just I agree with you. It makes absolutely no sense, and I, I just can't figure out. So, So now – um, what is this LSU baseball team all about? Even Mikhail Hilliard hasn't been sharp lately. Uh, you have your starting pitcher that throws one pitch, you pull him. Um, nothing in game two. I mean, nothing you can hang your hat on. 
Um, wow. What, what do you say about this club now? Yeah, I mean, it, the, their identity is still a question mark. It's something that you don't necessarily want to be faced with at this point in time in the season. Uh, usually this should already have been figured out. Um, but circumstances are always, you know, each team has their own set of circumstances they have to deal with, and, and they have to fight through adversity and whatnot. But, you know, I really don't know, looking at the team, who the leader is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've been saying this for a while now. Um, you look back at the last 15 to 30 years of LSU baseball, and usually the Friday night guy or Saturday night guy is a dude. And that's a guy yep. that the rest of the team can look to and see the effort coming from him and really rally behind him. And, and if you understand what I'm saying I do. from that perspective, you don't, you don't really see that key guy from the pitching standpoint that can really lead this team. You know, McHale's great and all, and I love McHale to death, and his stuff is really good, but he's not a just-go-out-there-and-just-dominate-your-Friday-night-opponent-left-and-right. And, you know, we had, we we're used to having Alex Langs, the, the Aaron Nolas, you know, your Zach Hesses and Poches of the, of the world, and, and I don't know if this, this staff has those, but they're not bad. You know, you're still pitching for LSU, You've got there. You obviously have the talent to do well at this level, or um, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be here. So, I think it kind of starts there from the pitching uh, side of things, and kind of contriculate it, kind of trickle into the uh, the defense and hitting side of things. But they really need to have somebody step up and really lead the uh, group going forward. I mean, is that even possible this late in the season? You kind of are who you are, right? Would, would, would that go over? Could somebody just all of a sudden take control and people would actually believe it and follow it? You know, I, I, you, you have a great point, but I feel like someone's got to try. You know, yeah. uh, uh, not to Coach Johnson, uh, like not to be negative or anything, but he is of quieter nature. He's, he's more of an introvert. And mm-hmm. so when you don't have a coach, you know, leading the team vocally – which is fine. Um, a player has to in, has to assert himself into that role. And all your greatest teams, you know, if you look back to 2019 LSU team, you know, any championship team, the best teams are always led by the players. I think any yep. coach can kind no of tell question. you that. Um, yep. So the coach doesn't necessarily have to do that, but they have to have a player there. They have to have a Joe Burrow-esque player that everyone can look to and that sets the tone for how hard the team works that sets the tone for how aggressive they play and and the will to win and fight and this that and yeah. the other so i don't know if somebody can do it i don't know if all their roles are kind of already defined i would assume they are but i just feel like you got to try something at this point i mean it mm-hmm. you know what's what's gonna what's gonna be hurt you know yeah well we talked about defensive miscues you and i have addressed that before the pitching or lack thereof was totally exposed this weekend. And now uh, after Nichols on Tuesday, they got to head to Vanderbilt on Thursday and Vanderbilt just won two out of three at Arkansas. So the Commodore seems like LSU's catching every team. Ole Miss playing better. Vanderbilt now playing better. 
LSU not playing better, and it just it just bodes poorly for them. Um, you can kiss goodbye hosting a regional, right? I mean, that's done. Oh yeah, that's that's out of the uh, that's out of the equation right now. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna have to if you even wanted a shot, you're gonna have to go sweep Banner Builder at least win two out of three. Go to Omaha. I mean, uh, go to uh, go to that tournament and probably win. Three Get to the championship game. Games at least, um, yeah. and then if not, win the championship of it. So that's just uh, even host. So I think hosting Oof. is out of the uh, equation right now. But I think uh, I think you can still really you know go to Vanderbilt, beat a pretty good Vanderbilt team. I know by their standards, I guess it's not you know their their level, but right. um, but you can go there, win a good series, finish the season on a good note, go to. Uh, Hoover, never know what can happen there. And, and guess what? You're in the postseason and anything can happen. Yeah, this is true. This is true. I just wish we could bring uh, Ben McDonald and Aaron Nola and Anthony Renato and people like that back to, to give them the ball. I would feel a lot more comfortable. But, of course, of course, we cannot do that. Uh, Chris Reed, um, thanks for sharing. I've never seen it. I, I've never on any level in any sport seen a, unless the guy got hurt throw one pitch and get pulled. I, I just don't understand it. I don't. What, how's that kid feel today? How does he feel? Yeah, I, I could. I, I, I didn't really understand what was happening. I was hoping he was hurt. Um, but, you know, fast forward to the end of the game, you know, reports come out that he's not injured. So I, I, I don't know. You know, I think that's probably going to be kept in-house and yes. as it should. But yes. man, yeah, it would. It would. I would love to have be able to run out Anthony Ronaldo or Aaron Nola or one of those guys. But at the same time, you know, this is Coach Johnson's first year. He's uh, he's playing with players that he uh, hasn't recruited. Uh, I'm not saying that they're not the right fit for LSU, but he just doesn't have his guys in. And if you look to his recruiting classes that he's amassing right now, yeah. uh, you know, there's studs littered up and down the list. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. pitching is definitely one of the spots that he's hammering down right now. So I think the I'm future's not... still bright. Um, right. I think, you know, in the next year or two, we'll see some of those guys that we're accustomed to seeing Friday, Saturday. See, I thought of all the new hires, Brian Kelly, Kim Mulkey, um, and uh, Jay Johnson, before we got Matt McMahon in, I was saying, all right, who's going to win the first national championship? I thought, man, LSU's loaded. They, they got the best chance to win it. I've changed my vote. I'm going Kim Mulkey all the way, and everybody else has to prove it to me. We shall see. But, Chris, you make it fun, man. You make it fun. Thank you so much, as always. Now, get back there and uh, make some people some money, buddy. Thank you. All right, no problem. All right, that's uh, Chris Reed joining us uh, to talk a little LSU baseball. If you want to see the Astros in person, listen up. The game, 103 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox. Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Hotel in uh, Houston downtown, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. After this timeout, we'll delve into the NBA, and then there were four... And is anybody playing better than Luca and the Mavericks? 
This is the Jordy Helpert Show brought to you by Eon Smarter Body Contouring on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Great news for all you Yellowstone fans. They're beginning production for another series, another another season, 14 episodes. They'll break them up seven here, seven there. So if you're a Yellowstone fan, uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. But I'm a basketball fan as well. And it's time to talk some NBA hoops with uh, the crown prince of Pelican Trolls. He has Pelicans and NBA content for Boot Crew Media, part of the Bourbon Street Shots team, and he's smart. He went to Tulane, and he got his MBA from Texas. Wow, Mason Ginsburg. Dude, how'd you become a hoop freak, by the way, with all that other knowledge of yours? What what legs you to do this that you do now? <laughs> well, thanks for, thanks for reading off my, my Twitter profile. Uh, appreciate yes. that. But, no, I mean, I, I, I was a fan of the team back when – Back when you were talking about them all the time, and um, so when when they came to New Orleans in 2002, my uh, I was in high school. My my dad got season tickets for us and been hooked ever since. So um, I got gotcha. you. Know, just love the team, love, love hoops. Have you ever been more excited about the future of an NBA franchise in New Orleans than you are maybe in what you anticipate for next season? <sighs> hard hard to say. I, I think I think the most it's the most realistically optimistic, I think, if you can put it that way. Because obviously, okay. you know, when they landed the Anthony Davis pick, when they landed the Zion Williamson pick, you know, the sky's the limit, right? And then reality right. sets in. But I, but I think within, in this case, the reason it might, you you're, you can feel that way and be, feel good about it is because you're actually seeing a track record now. You're seeing this, the, the growth the team's had over the past couple, you know, couple of months, second half of the season, the playoffs. And so this real, they've actually done something to make you feel like that versus just getting lucky in the lottery, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, don't we find out where the Pels draft? Is that uh, tomorrow? That is tomorrow night, yes. Uh, the lottery lottery takes place where we have a uh, Pelicans have a 99.6% chance to keep the Lakers pick. Um, so you feel pretty good about that. And then about yeah. a 26% chance to get into the top four. So that's what you're looking at odds-wise. The most likely outcome is, of course, getting given the eighth and ninth pick. Eighth or ninth pick. Okay. Do you think there is, uh, if, if, let's say they, whatever draft pick they get, if you could just get any player out of this draft specific for what this Pelicans team needs now, what would you, what kind of player would you pick? Man, um, I mean, the, the, the nice thing is that I, I don't think the Pelicans could go wrong with any of those guys in the top four. I mean, um, you know, uh, you know, Jaden Ivey is, he's, you know, if they get number one, I don't know if he's probably not the pick, but any, if they get in the top four, I think they'll, they'll consider him, uh, you know, Chet Holgren's really unique, but I think, I think Jabari Smith more than anything would fit what this Pelican team is, you know, kind of, kind of needs and, and start thinking about the next iteration, you know, how they're going to look in the future. And so. Um, you know, Jonas Valanciunas has been great for the Pelicans, but I think, it's, uh, you know, envisioning a longer term 
uh, front court of Jabari and and Zion is just it's it's an incredible thing to think about. And so, um, but but hey, if they end lucky enough to get to the top four, I, I don't think they can go wrong with some of the choices they're going to have. Okay, um, I like the Ivy pick too. I think he's uh, he's the closest thing I've seen to. Uh, he reminds me of what Kawhi Leonard was like coming out of college. You know, long arms, long hands, um, play on both ends of the court. We'll see. Um, do Is Jackson Hayes going to be uh, a Pelican next year? Great great question. Um, and it really depends on, I think, what happens this off, what other, the other things that happen this offseason. So, um, you know, I, I, I think the, the reality is that this team is about to get expensive. Um, especially once, you know, if you assume Zion Williamson's going to get a max contract extension. Um, and so I, I think it's, you know, if I had to bet, I would say I don't think he's, I, I don't, I don't know if he plays his next contract in New Orleans. I think the Pelicans are, you know, good. They like what they saw to Larry Nance. I think Larry Nance kind of fits this team better, um, for, for in that role than, than maybe Jackson does. And, and so it's, it's going to be a tough decision though, because, uh, he's really taken some positive strides over the last season. I don't think he's going to be one. I mean, I you know, you can't keep them all. I don't think Devontae Graham's right. going to be around. I think Garrett Temple's going to retire or go somewhere else. He's not going to play. Um, are you are you satisfied in the backcourt specifically? And it's such a misnomer now, point guard. There is really, other than maybe a Chris Paul, there really is no such thing because anybody brings the ball. Ingram brings the ball down the court. Zion brings the ball down the court. But are you solid with what the Pels have in their backcourt? Kyra Lewis coming back after his injury, or do you think the the Pels need to address that scenario? Yeah, it's a great point because the uh, this you write about the, the point guard name, uh, and I think I, I'm very comfortable with what they're doing as far as starting backcourt. I, I think the combination of CJ and Brandon Ingram is is, is great. Pretty they don't good. really they don't need a pure point guard when you've got those two guys. Um, the, the, behind them, it gets a little interesting. I think Devontae Graham, he obviously, he had a rough second half of the season. I don't think he's as bad as he played for New Orleans. I also don't think he's big enough to be a viable player in the playoffs for them, especially alongside CJ, as you, as you kind of saw. So I, I do think the depth is something that could be a, a focus area, especially if they look to move Devontae. Uh, Jose Alvarado obviously was fantastic. And, and, um, I do want to see Kyra back after that ACL injury, but, um, I, I certainly an area I think the Pelicans might focus on assuring up some depth. Mason Ginsburg, kind enough to join us. Um, still need some outside shooting. Um, can't ever get enough of those guys. You see it game in and game out. Who would have ever thunk that Grant Williams would have the game of his life in a game seven at home for Boston to beat Milwaukee, the defending champions, um, I mean, he'd never taken more than eight three-pointers in a game before this series, and he had a career-high 27. I think he took 19. No, um, I don't know how many threes he took, 19 threes, something like that. Who'd ever? So you can't get enough of those. I don't think the Pels have enough of those, do they? Um, probably not. Uh, I think, you know, you've got the, the, the obvious person, you, a player you're going to look at for improving you over years, Trey Murphy. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he shot the ball well on limited volume, limited minutes. And I think that's a guy you, you saw even in the Phoenix Sun series, just him being on the floor. Defenses know he can shoot. Defenses pay attention to him. The floor opens right. up a lot more. So I think he's going to be a very valuable piece of this team next season and what he can do there. And beyond that, you're right. I mean, the Pelicans had Tony Snell 
uh, in that uh, Portland trade. He, he's a, a great three-point shooter, but he doesn't give you much else. And so the, the challenge of the Pelicans is finding guys who can not just shoot, but also really be positive contributors in other ends of the floor. All right. Um, Boston wins over, I mean, two game sevens on Sunday, they were blowouts. Uh, Boston mm-hmm. wins uh, by 28. Dallas wins by, they Dallas led by 42 after three. 42 points in Phoenix, and they win it by 33. Crazy. Um, so that sets up Boston versus Miami, uh, which gets underway on Tuesday for the Eastern Conference Championship. Who do you like in that series and why? I, I, I really want to pick Miami just so I'm, I'm, uh, my dad's from New York. I'm born and raised a Yankee fan. I'm just, I, I, I have to root against Boston in every form. <laughs> but that, that being said, I, I do think Boston matches up pretty well with, with Miami. I think it's going to be a long series. I, I, it seems like a lot of people think that Boston is going to win this fairly handily in five or six games. Um, I, I don't see it that way. I don't think Jimmy Butler will let that happen. Um, but I, I do think Boston it has a favorable matchup if they're healthy. Obviously, there's a little bit of news around Marcus Smart and whether or not he's going to play game one. But, but um, you know, I, I do think ultimately Boston's Boston has the more has a deeper, more talented team. Um, but, uh, but, but hey, I mean, Miami's like, going to make this a tough series. I think it goes seven. Goes seven. Um, my goodness gracious, I, I don't know if anybody's playing better than the Dallas Mavericks. At least in their game seven, thirty-five from Doncic. 24 from Brunson. They get 30 off the bench at Dinwiddie in 25 minutes. Uh, they just had one of those great shooting performances. Great. It's 57% from the field, 49% from uh, downtown, and a perfect 12 for 12 from the free throw line. But is anybody playing better than Luca? I mean, my God. <laughs> Absolutely not. Luca's been, been fantastic. Um, you know, uh, credit to Dallas, even in the first round to, to put them in position to win that series without Luca for the first couple of games. So they beat Utah and then yeah. took care of, uh, a Phoenix in seven games. I mean, I, I, I'm picking the Warriors, uh, in the Western Conference, uh, matchup against them. But, but again, I mean, I, I think this is going to be a tough series that the, the, the Warriors don't really have anyone to throw at Luca, uh, especially when you think about Mikhail Bridges. Uh, in Phoenix, I, I, I really don't think Golden State has anyone like that. Um, Clay Thompson yeah. was a, a really good defender, but he's been through two tough injuries, and so he's not the defender he once was. And so, right. um, yeah, I, it's going to be fascinating to see how Draymond and the Warriors match up against him defensively. But uh, I got to think eventually the hot shooting for Dallas cools off a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I, so I like the Warriors, but again, another another long series. I think they're going to put Wiggins on him to start, I guess. I don't know what else. They, you can't put Draymond Green on him because yeah. they, they got too much yeah. size, and I, I don't know what you do. Uh, man, good luck. But uh, Doncic has been ridiculously good. Uh, my gosh. Um, crazy. So you like the, the Warriors out of the West, and you like the Heat out of the East. That, that I think that would be a incredible NBA Finals, don't you? Yeah, I've got. I think I've got Boston in seven. I think it goes. It oh. definitely goes seven games. But I think I've got Boston over Miami. Um, and either way, though, I think either way you have a fit. I don't see a way you can go wrong here with the teams that are left. I think every team's got weaknesses. Every team is obviously really good. Um, so I think it should be a fun NBA Finals, no matter who who gets there. Chris Paul says he's not retiring as the Suns imploded in their game seven. He's thirty-seven. Um, man. <laughs> 
I, I remember as a rookie coming to New Orleans, I remember what he did for that team, and he's had a long, long career. He's yet to win a title. We'll see. Um, what, what realistically, with all the – if everybody's healthy and – and Zion comes back. And when Zion comes back, things are going to change. Brandon Ingram's not going to take as many shots as he did. Uh, C.J. McCollum's not going to get as many shots. As, so things are going to change, and hopefully they'll have a full training camp to work and understand one another's roles. Being That mm-hmm. all being said, what, what's a realistic goal in your mind for the Pelicans next season? Health considered, yeah. everybody's <laughs> fine. Yeah, I, I, that can't be uh, underscored enough. That can you get a training camp together to, to, to figure this out? Because that's something that the Pelicans have really gotten robbed of that seemingly every year. There's always an injury yeah. that really keeps them from getting that practice time together to to to, to mesh. And so it, it's kind of it's really impressive they were able to do that on the fly midseason with the CJ trade. You saw some yeah. growing pains right before the uh, All Star break, but then they started figuring it out. Uh, but I just, you've got to, this has to be a playoff team. I mean, uh, th- that's the, and, and I think, it, it, you know, if the, if the Pelicans are fully healthy with the roster they have, it's a very deep Western conference, but I think this team should be above the playing level. So thinking top 16, I mean, that, that's what, okay. that's how much talent this team has. And, and so that's what you have to be shooting for. Um, but, uh, but, but we'll see. Like, I mean, there's so many good teams in the Western conference. It's not that easy. I've asked this on numerous people. and I'm going to ask you, um, Go back to that draft. Zion pick number one. Ja Morant pick number two. Um, you see the potential of both of them. One is the big, wide, carries a lot of weight guy. The other is the pencil-thin uh, guard. But they both attack the rim. They both get to the free throw line. They both get bumped and banged and knocked down. So five years from now, who's going to still be around? Who's going to have the better career? Between those two, <laughs> the safer bet's John Moran, honestly. I mean, it just it, because you also have to weigh the first, the whole their whole career also yeah. includes the past three seasons, right? And, and, yeah. and it's far and away John Moran for those three. So um, over the next five, I mean, I, I think if Zion can get healthy, get right, I think he has the his, his ceiling is still higher than John Morant's. But I think uh, in the majority of uh, of you know, if you simulate this a bunch of times, I think the majority of them. John Morant is the one who has a better career at that point. So, um, but, but both are fantastic and, and both yeah. as they're healthy should, should keep being fantastic. But, uh, just, but I'll, I'll take Jaw slightly on that one. I just keep thinking of two players when I think of Zion and, and how his NBA journey has begun. I think of Steph Curry. Remember there was a point in time, Steph Curry couldn't get on the court. His ankles were terrible and you didn't think he was going to end up having a career. Well, that kind of turned out pretty good. Uh, and the other one, very similar, Joel Embiid uh, started off, couldn't stay on the court, always hurt, always hurt. Something happened, and now look at him. You know, I, I kind of get that. At least that's what I'm keeping my fingers crossed about with Zion. Yeah, and you can bet the Pelicans are thinking the same way, and that's why the, the contract negotiations are going to be, you know, fascinating uh, this offseason. So. How they, you know, Zion, when healthy, is a max level player, uh, undoubtedly. But, but what concessions are they going to make, or what Zion can't make, to be able to find a, a, you know, a middle ground for, you know, mm-hmm. mitigating risk? They, they did just something similar in the Joel Embiid extension, and it paid off for Philly. Uh, so it, it's going to be, you know, really interesting to see how the Pelicans approach this negotiation uh, situation with Zion. It really will be, Mason. I can't thank you enough for your time, man. It's uh, it's been too long. 
but a great job. And thank you so much. Even though, you know, you went to UT, it's okay. Uh, we still like that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, appreciate you for having me. Always fun. All right, buddy. You take care. Mason Ginsburg talking some hoops with boot crew media. Um, the game one Oh three, seven Lafayette, one Oh four, one Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for downtown rising with the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience. You can score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the cold war kids. Simply register in the game rewards club at one Oh three, seven, the game.com or one Oh four, one, the game.com to win VIP passes for downtown rising on Saturday, June 4th, the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience is presented by social entertainment, Raider solutions, Louisiana, Asian Cajuns and the game Southwest Louisiana sports station back to wrap up our number one here on the Jordy Helford show brought to you by Eon of Lafayette, the smarter body contouring, touchless, uh, non-invasive, permanent fat loss, all within the reach of your hand. It's very simple here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you only win that $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041 thegame.com coming up our number two we'll talk all things raging cajuns baseball and softball drew Brees with a couple of tweets got the the social media world up in arms and there's conflicting reports about yes he should no he shouldn't we'll talk about that and we'll talk all things lsu as well our number two of the jordy helford show coming up here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go. A tweet by Drew Brees has set the social media world on fire. Is he coming back to play quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, or is he going to join the, the pickleball tour or the senior PGA tour? Who knows? But we'll discuss that. We'll also discuss some of the very new recruits uh, that LSU is accumulating for their class of 2023. But we begin our number two talking about the rage in Cajuns. And our number two is always on a Monday brought to you by Eon, Smarter Body Contouring, the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss. It's right there in River Ranch. Just go get a free consultation, see and learn all about it and see if that's what you want to do because we exercise, we eat right, and sometimes it just doesn't come off and you're like, oh, you get so frustrated. Well, Eon can take care of it and take care of it permanently. All right. Um, Raging Cajuns baseball, not so good. Softball, outstanding. Uh, Karaski Melvin, kind enough to join us. The uh, 
weekend anchor for KLFY Sports. He is our go-to guy when it comes to the Raging Cajuns. Good afternoon, my friend. How you doing? And thank you for, for hopping on board with us again on a Monday. Oh, no, it is it is great. And, yeah, kind of kind of a tale of two different stories here between yeah. the baseball and softball teams over the weekend. Yeah, let's start with softball. Um, they sweep through the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, get Coastal, beat Troy, um, have a one-zip extra inning win that really had, was nerve-wracking on Friday to beat Texas State and then easily handle that same team Saturday uh, for the championship with a 7-1 to one win. And now we know their fate. They're traveling to Clemson, South Carolina, and they'll play Friday against Auburn. And if I'm Auburn, I'm scared to death. Yeah, this, I mean, this Cajun team has been playing just exceptional top flight baseball. And especially during, during the tournament, you know, they did have the one, they had the 1 0 in the second to last game. But in that final game, just broke out the bat, home run after home run after home yeah. run. And honestly, I, I'm glad we didn't put a soda on whether or not the Cajuns would host on this one. Um, the fact that they're going out there, that the team had mentioned yesterday when we were talking with them, like, "Hey, we got the motivation here. We're going to go there, and we're gonna, and we are going there fully hyped. We got to take this seriously. We got to bring our A game, and we're gonna show up and show out." Uh, to your point, four home runs in the uh, uh, Sun Belt Conference clincher. Um, where did this come from? All of a sudden. No, it is just it has been something that has kind of been building. There was talk about how, you know, yeah, earlier in the season, still kind of finding things, kind of finding ways, and then just right now it just seems like this team is in a rhythm. They're in a full on groove and it has been showing. And during the tournament they showed like, yeah, they can bash you with their back or we can get it to a lockdown, we can get it to a lockdown, go one nothing, allow and keep it tight. So they are just showing all just the variety of like of the you know what their metal and how they can play and honestly that is definitely something encouraging going into this. Yeah, no question about it. So they win it seven to one. Uh, Sam Landry gets the win. She's now twenty and three. Uh, Kendra Lamb got the save. Um, pitched two and two thirds innings. So they're on a roll. Now they take on Auburn from the SEC. So we'll see. And that's a Friday, uh, 1 o'clock game in Clemson, uh, South Carolina. So uh, we'll see on that. Meanwhile, on the men's side, um, Karaski, uh, you took on the best team in the conference and you got a little bit of a humble pie as Texas State wins three straight, all by two runs, 7-5 to five on Friday, 6-4 to four on Saturday, and eleven to nine on Sunday. So, uh, you know the women softball team have won thirteen in a row. Now the Cajuns men's team has lost three in a row. They're thirty and twenty overall, uh, seventeen and ten. They're not going to catch Texas State right now. They're in fourth place. Uh, what do you think about them as they get ready to take on Nichols on Tuesday? What do you What do you think about the Cajuns right now? Uh, well, yeah. Definitely when they went up to San Marcos, they ran into a roadblock and there were a couple, and there was the first two games were a couple of heartbreaks. The Sunday game was interesting. I will give the, give, give the Cajuns credit. It looked like it was going to be a lapper. Like there were two four run innings put up by the Bobcats and you thought like they were going to run away and hide. The Cajuns 
with five runs in the eighth inning, came really, really close. Uh, they couldn't finish the deal. However, like if there is any kind of silver lining, I guess, with the, with the month of clouds there, you could say that, hey, we can play this team close. We, so of course, you need a little bit more to finish the job, but it's not, it's not, you know, they have the chance. They know, like, we can play tight with them. It's not like they were completely blown out. Again, you had mentioned two runs, two runs, two runs. So now they're heading back home, which when we last saw them, they won. They won their last three there, each by, yeah. each by one run. We'll see what they do against Nichols. And of course, we've got Little Rock coming up as well. So hopefully they can get that boost from coming back home and finishing the season strong. Uh, the one thing that was um, impressive to me uh, in the finale, um, you, you, Louisiana jumped out to a two-zip lead in the top of the first. Texas State comes back, gets four in the bottom. Then they get another run. Then they had four more in the third. So right now, now it's nine to two. You've lost two games already. It's like, man, let's get on the bus or, and let's get out of here. Um, but then you get two in the seventh, which is offset by two more by Texas State. So now – now it's 11 to four and you're like, eh, gee, okay. And then the eighth inning comes up and you get five runs in the eighth. So there is, um, there is no quit in this team. And that that's always a good sign. You know, LSU lost to, um, to Ole Miss Saturday, 11 to one. It's like they had no life in them. There was nothing. Once they fell behind, that was it. Can't say the same about the raging Cajuns and losing 11 to nine. Honestly, yes. When we when we when when Louisiana was at home and we spoke to the coach during their last home series with UTA, he had mentioned this is a team of fighters. Like mm-hmm. they are, they are, they are something, and we noticed that. And I noticed that in that series when the game ended up getting tied on Sunday, for example, and it, it felt like the momentum was switching to UTA and they were going to pull it off. The Cajuns held firm and they were able to pull that one out. In extra innings, this is a team that doesn't. It's sh- not showing that they have quit in them. They are going. They are going to hold the court, and that was really encouraging. Seeing that, okay, it wasn't a win, but you know what? They came. They came really close, and they gave maximum effort near the end, or at least a, be- a really, really strong effort there. And I think, like especially, say during conference tournament time, it's like again, like we can get, we can play pretty close to this team. Like mm-hmm. we may have a chance, we just may have to do a, little, a couple of things extra, a little bit more right. or less. But right. there is a chance here. It's not. It feels like the gulf is like super wide. Yeah. Uh, four home games this week. Nichols on Tuesday, and you got the Little Rock Thursday, Friday, Saturday to wrap up the regular season. The Sun Belt Conference Tournament Championship begins a week from tomorrow in Montgomery, Alabama. I don't know what seed they're going to be. I don't know where they're going to, who they're going to play or what. There's, there's still too much to play out. Um, how confident, going back to our original, how, how confident are you of the softball team surviving and advancing uh, in this tournament as a number two seed uh, in the Clemson Regional? Um, I, I, have, I have a lot. I have a I have a good bit of faith in them. Um, I honestly was thinking about this before we call. If I were to rank my my chances of advancing between the Cajuns, LSU, and McNeese, I honestly okay. would say, like, I would honestly, and maybe because I'm seeing them more, I would mean for the Cajuns. As, like, I really think, especially the way that, they, the way that they've been going, 
like they really have a chance. And it was the team that spoke about it yesterday and like some of their non-conference games over the regular season, how that helped them, you know, kind of prepare going forward, seeing that they're going to be meeting a team in the SEC with Auburn and perhaps mm-hmm. with Clemson in the ACC. Also, UNC Wilmington, we can't forget about them as well. But I, I believe, like, it's this momentum. They can, can keep it going. They really have, they have a strong chance here, and they can really, and they can really you know, yeah. open some eyes out there um, in the softball universe. I, I'm with you. I think the Cajuns have the best chance. I would put McNeese at number two. They've won seven in a row. Uh, they won their conference tournament. Uh, and LSU's been struggling, and they, they're not used to going on the road for a reason. they got to go to Tempe, and that's going to be tough. So I'm with you. I, I have less confidence in LSU uh, than I do in uh, the Raging Cajuns and McNeese uh, by far. I'm, I, I like that. Um, how confident are you um, when it comes to football for next season? Boy, those are some big shoes to fill. They lost a lot of players. Is this going to be a rebuilding year for the Cajuns, or do you think they pick up where they left off and just keep on motoring? Uh, I, as much as I'd like to say that, like, it's going to, like, best-case scenario, that it will be just everything is continuing to move. I think there might be some growing pain. Um, it'll be, you know, Coach Dez, full season, first full season going on with the team. You know, so there could be some things here and there. I think that they'll be really good. I, I think they have a chance to really be good. I am good at compared like last year. I'm not necessarily so sure, but I really, mm-hmm. I do have some faith that we will see a good football team and definitely something the fans will want to come out to Cajun Field to watch. I think you think they will be really, I think they'll be really good and it will be very interesting to see the progression in this new era and how it looks and kind of how the team is getting kind of formed. Um, as Coach Dez, as Coach Dez right. will have it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, he's Karaski Melvin. You can find him and watch him on KLFY Sports. Thank you, man. Uh, Mondays with Melvin. I like it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm going to go practice some pickleball so I can go up against Drew Brees. That's it, buddy. And we're going to talk about that uh, with Mike Myers after this time out here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 16th, 2009, St. Martin Parish native and Hall of Fame jockey Calvin Burrell rides Rachel Alexandria to victory in the 134th Preakness. It was the first time a Philly won the second leg of the Triple Crown in 85 years. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, You know, social media and two tweets got the world up in arms. Quote, tweet number one, man, signing Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew makes me want to come back and play again. Great additions, leaders, and players, followed by, quote number two, despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again, yada, yada, yada. Um, He wrote the book, the author of The Breeze Way. Mike Neighbors joins us now. Mike? 
the heck's going on here, buddy? How are you? I don't know if Drew, it's very unbreeze-like tweets from our man number nine. I wonder how he's feeling this morning. I don't know if there's any buyer's remorse, but yeah, I was surprised. I don't think he's going to play again. I don't think it's a Tom Brady situation, but I also feel like today's athlete, Jordy, they want to control their message, and that was his way of saying, you know what, I'm going to control the message. You'll find out from me what my next move will be. (laughs) I mean, you can join the pickleball tour or the senior PGA, whatever. Um, if yeah. if he did if he did decide to come back and play that he wanted to play for the Saints, what what would you think of that? I, I don't think it's a good idea. You know, I, I, agree. I, I, I go back to Jameis Winston, and I feel about Jameis Winston the way that I feel the Saints do. They like Jameis, they don't love him. You saw the, the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes this off season, but Drew, I mean, he's admitted as such, really, since he retired, Jordy, that. You know, health-wise, he's just not the same quarterback that he was. And we saw it down the stretch and in the playoffs his last season. I just, I, you know, he's had shoulder surgery recently. I just don't think he's physically capable. And I think it's time to pass the torch to Jameis. Let's finally figure out, can Jameis get it done with all these weapons, even though I'm still kind of worried about Alvin Kamara and his situation. But I, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it'll happen. I just think it's true. Uh, being upset in some ways, uh, or, or just having fun, one of the two, about the release that he's not going to work for NBC anymore. Yeah, um, interesting. Um, and with Tom <laughs> Brady coming on board whenever he decides to come on board, right, with Fox, uh, that limits yeah. some possibilities. I, who knows? I, I don't know. Um, I wonder how long it would take Drew to get back in football shape. I know he keeps himself in good shape. Um, I just saw a picture with with his boys. They got a flag football thing coming up this weekend. He's got his arm in a sling. Um, Man, I wonder. I just wonder. I think he'd be good for a couple games, but I just don't see it for the entire season. And you mentioned his family. I think that's a part of this, too, that, you know, when I wrote the book, uh, Doug Flutie told me because he's had the same path that NBC as Drew's had. He called Notre Dame games, you know, he mm-hmm. called professional games, and he also did it at a time when his kids were young. And Doug Flutie told me Drew was going to go into this excited. I was excited too, but it's tough, as you know, Jordy. You don't just show up for the day of the game. You no. have pre-production meetings, especially if you're calling college too. You get yeah. there Thursday or Friday, really Thursday. And when Saturday rolls around, his wife, Brittany, I'm sure, is sending him videos on the phone of the kids' highlights of the football games. And that's, that's not easy for him. He wants to be yeah. there for his kids. Yeah. So I, I don't know what happened at NBC, but I do know that Drew was a family guy. And I know that wasn't easy for him to be away. And all of those hours, you know, are different than when you're a starting quarterback in the NFL but you're still spending time away from your family and your family's in San Diego across the United States. So I know that wasn't easy for him either. And look, you've done it. I've done it. You do it all that preparation in and you're doing a studio show and you got a, probably a grand total of on a stretch close to four to five minutes total on air. Um, and the rest of the mm-hmm. time you're standing there watching. And so it's, it, it's not all the glitz and glamor that people give it, uh, profess it to be, especially with a large group where everybody gets their say, you just don't get to say much. And think about this, Jordy Breeze had the Brady deal before the Brady deal. I mean, they're offering yeah. Brady all this money and, 
you know, all these TV opportunities before he retired. Well, the same happened with Drew. I mean, Drew yeah. had the NBC job waiting for him. And I think the challenge for Drew was criticizing players. You know, he never, he, he and I never had right. a problem um, with any of my questions, except when I asked him at the Pro Bowl in 2019, when I thought he was going to retire and go into TV, I asked him, is it going to be hard for you to criticize players when you're in the media, guys you played with and guys you just played against? And he looked mm-hmm. at me and he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're going to have to do that. And he said, well, I don't look at it that way. And frankly, I think that hurt him as an analyst and in studio. There's no doubt Drew Brees is eloquent, and he can give you insight and explain the game. But there's a reason, Jordy, why Chris Collinsworth has been around for a long time. You know, this generation, they don't know Chris Collinsworth played. He played such a long time ago, but he's not afraid to offer an opinion and to criticize. And I think that hurt Drew a little bit in his career albeit a short career so far. Because that's what everybody back home on their sofas are doing, watching the game. They're going, oh, that guy stinks. Get him out. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. No, no question about that. Um, what yeah. do you, Look, they've got Jarvis Landry now. They picked up Chris Olave. They're hoping against hope that Michael Thomas is healthy again. Seems to me they're saying, okay, Jameis, we've done our part. Now it's mm-hmm. up to you to show us if you can do your part. And if you do, then we got something good here. If you don't, we're going elsewhere. Absolutely. And what was amazing about what Sean Payton did with Jameis last year is, yeah, they had Alvin Kamara, but they didn't have Michael Thomas. You know, they didn't have Olave. And, you know, they had Traquan Smith and, you know, a lot of guys like Marquez Callaway who are not used to being the focal points of offenses. I mean, there was one point, if you look, Marcus Callaway was the, I think, 188th leading wide receiver in the NFL, but he was the Saints' Jeez. number one receiver. But yet yeah. they were still winning games. They're still yeah. beating the Packers. They're still beating the Patriots. Now, if you give him all the names you just mentioned, you would think Jameis would be dangerous. But I'm telling you, Jordy, I still worry about Alvin Kamara and that suspension. I'm yeah. hearing all kinds of things. I, you know, We haven't heard all the facts. We haven't seen the video. But, boy, you don't have Michael Thomas. You get him back, and then you lose Alvin Kamara. It's like two right. steps forward, one step back. I want to see what happens with his suspension because that's going to be huge for Jameis if no he doesn't question. have a running back, you know, like Alvin Kamara behind him. And the fact they moved the, the hearing till August now, and that gives you mm-hmm. all the off season where you don't know what's going to happen. I wish it was here and now and done and over, and then you know what you do, and then you can go get somebody if you have to get somebody. But uh, alas, uh, that that is not the case. Are you are you bullish? on the Saints this year. You live in Tampa. You see what the Buccaneers, you hear about the Buccaneers and Tom Brady coming back. Um, are you bullish on the Saints? So it's all Jameis. It all comes down to Jameis. The Saints okay. defense is great. Yeah. Uh, the weapons are better. You know, it'd be nice to have Kamara back. I think if he's, if he's out for, let's say, four games, I think Mark Ingram could do a decent job. I wish they would have drafted a running back a little bit earlier to compliment an older Mark Ingram. Yeah. But I've heard this for a long time with Jameis Winston. I covered him at Florida State. He was great. But I covered every year in Tampa, too. And yeah. it's for different reasons. There's always question marks with him. There's no questioning he's popular in the locker room. There's no questioning his work ethic, his decision-making time and time again. It got yeah. better. But Sean Payton's now on that sideline, Jordy. It's Pete yeah. Carmichael. Is Jameis going to feel like he has to do too much if Kamara's not in there? I worry about that if you look at the prospects for the Saints. So the defense will be great. The offensive line, I think, will be good. They have more weapons. Taysom Hill will be intriguing because they'll move him to tight end full-time. 
But it all comes down to Jameis Winston. I think he's the ultimate wild card. But I do think it's a playoff team if he doesn't make the bonehead decisions. If he just plays decent football, this is a playoff team. I really, and I've been preaching this forever. You pay in Taysom Hill all this money. Um, he did a great job in what he had to do. He's not a starting quarterback in the league. I think that's been put to bed. I think he'll be a great tight end. I just think he's a great athlete. And who's going to guard him? Who, who are you going to put on him? Uh, he's quick. He's fast. He, I mean, I think he's going to be terrific. Don't Do you believe that? Yeah, because he'll be the ultimate Swiss Army knife again. They'll put him at quarterback some. They'll put him at running back. They'll put him at receiver and tight end. And they'll, they'll throw him all over the field. And he'll be a decoy sometimes. And he's definitely a weapon. I still say he's the biggest loser with Sean Payton leaving because he's no longer a quarterback. But he'll still earn that salary because he'll be such a weapon in so many ways for the Saints. I'll let you go on this. I know you got other things to do, and I greatly appreciate the time. Uh, Mike Neighbors, kind enough to join us. Um, you mentioned Pete Carmichael. In all your conversations with Drew Brees, uh, now that he takes the mantle, and you can't fill the shoes of a Sean Payton, he's too good, but um, what, what did Drew say about Coach Carmichael, and how do you think that transition is going to be? Well, the amazing thing about Carmichael is he was with Breeze in San Diego. So that was a great transition True. when he arrived at the Saints, that Carmichael was there, too. He has a lot of faith in Carmichael. He's not an outgoing guy. He's the anti-Sean Payton. I mean, he's just going to call plays, and, and that's his thing. And he doesn't like the spotlight at all. So I think with Jameis, there's a comfort level there because he's been with Carmichael for a couple of years. It's really going to help Jameis. If they hadn't have brought him back, I'd be even more concerned about Jameis Winston. But that was big that Dennis Allen brought him back. It's going to help Jameis. And to answer your question, I mean, Breeze, Breeze knows what an unsung guy Pete Carmichael is. I mean, when Sean Payton was out during the bounty year, Carmichael was invaluable. And his trust in Carmichael is huge. And he's not going to trust a guy unless he has a lot of faith in him. So the fact that they kept him around for another year – was huge for the Saints, and it'll be even bigger for James Weston. Uh, this just in, uh, former Saints coach Sean Payton has taken a gig with the um, with Fox um, as a studio analyst, and according to Mike Florio with NBC Sports. I don't think Sean will have any problem criticizing players. I really don't. No. <laughs> if you morph Drew Brees and Sean Payton, you would have, and uh, I'm not John Madden, but you'd have a really good broadcaster because Sean Payton doesn't doesn't care. I mean, he'll say what he feels like. I don't know how eloquent Sean Payton will be in terms of what you said when you're on the studio. You got to get your points in very quickly, and I have to hear him do that. But he'll be entertaining, I and mean, we saw it on the sidelines. You talk about Pete Carmichael. I mean, <laughs> who taunts fans and opposing players? Sean That's Payton right. does. So he's not scared That's to right. offer an opinion. And he likes to have fun. He's a fun guy, too. He'll do good at this job. I just want to see him get in and out of these segments. That's going to be the challenge for him. That's the challenge. I wonder if he takes Jimmy Johnson's place or they just add another chair there. I mean, I, who knows uh, what's going to happen. I think Sean will be terrific at that. Uh, but yeah. he may be just like Drew Brees, maybe one and done and get back into coaching. Yeah, I would, that wouldn't surprise me either. He'll yeah. definitely coach again. Let's just, but maybe you know, maybe he'll fall in love with broadcasting. You never say never, but boy, yeah. I just—it's hard for me to look at Sean Payton the way we know him and think that he won't coach again. I just—he's I, too young and he likes it too much. He'll—he'll he'll be somewhere one day. Mike, thank you so much. You're a busy man. Continued success with the Breeze Way.
You can look <laughs> it up and order it, buy it. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, and thank you, man. Take care. Anytime, Keep living man. the dream over there in Tampa you, on the water. Anytime. Good talk to you. See you soon. Hi, right, buddy. You take care. Mike Neighbors, kind enough to uh, join us here on the show. Um, let's see what I have here. I got another read here for you. Uh, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of Top Gun Maverick. That's right. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting Top Gun to 68683. That's Top Gun to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek May 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the Top Gun Sneak Preview brought to you by Big Boy Toys and the Game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Brian Kelly and his staff out there recruiting fervishly. Picked up two more newcomers for the 2023 class. We'll go over that and much, much more after this timeout. The Jordy Hultberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And we're presented by Eon of Lafayette, the smarter body contouring. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. 36 minutes after the hour on this Monday, May the 16th, that time of the day, that day of the week, we welcome aboard our good friend from the Are You Serious podcast, Mr. Blake Rafino. Blake, good afternoon, man. What's got you fired up today? Something's always got you fired up, man. So what's on your mind today? Um, how about Brian Kelly can recruit? <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. Um, right, let's go over the, uh, they've got two new recruits, one a defensive back, one a running back. Um, let's talk about the kid from Louisiana, Trey Holly, five, eight, one eighty. That sounds Clyde Edwards hilarious to me. Yeah, I think he's got a little bit more top end speed than Clyde did Jordy. Um, but we have not seen Trey Holly catch the ball out of the backfield. But anytime a kid has 6,000 yards, 80 touchdowns in two seasons, uh, I mean, <laughs> that, that's pretty darn impressive. So, I mean, look, Brian Kelly and, and staff are already starting to get some of the recruits. You know, Jordan, from what I've been told, next four to six weeks is crucial for LSU and what they believe that they'll get. You know, maybe they'll get halfway there uh, mm -hmm. is what they're thinking in reference to the 25 limit, if it's even still a thing. Um, right. But they're, you know, Jordy, this is a difference in, in the recruiting from Orgeron to Brian Kelly. You get an in-state kid, you go out of state to get a top 150 prospect in the country. It's, huge, it's a huge deal. Uh, and Brian Kelly being able to recruit nationally is going to be a very big deal for LSU. Uh, this Holly kid from Union Parish, I, I'd imagine that's a little small school. He's got 6,980 rushing yards, which means he needs 875 to surpass a former Tiger running back, 
uh, Nick Brissett, who was at U High for the um, Louisiana High School all-time leading rusher. Uh, so if he stays healthy, he'll get that by week three. Yeah, there were times, Jordy, last season that he uh, would score three touchdowns in the first quarter, a pair of touchdowns in the second, and then he would sit the rest of the game until they got to the playoffs. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, look, the kid, the kid is just a stud, you know, and I, I, I think that what they've tried to accomplish is is the kids, you know, when because Jordy, the truth is, is when you when a staff comes in. You, you're going to come in and you, the good ones reevaluate the kids in your state, reevaluate who's on the board, put them in the positions that you want, and that takes time, right? Like, yeah. that takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of yeah. time for Brian Polian, and it sure as heck takes a lot of time for, for Brian Kelly. Um, I, I like the way that they're attacking it. And you go and get the number one running back in the state and a top five player in the state. And so. With that being said, to say that he can't come in here and recruit and that he's not a culture fit, Jordy, it's just, a, it's just not true. Oh, of it, course just, not. It, of course not. Nick Saban was from Michigan and all that area. He came down and did pretty right. good. I never bought into that. I'm with you 100%. I always look at, at prospects and to say, okay, who else offered and who did he turn down? And when you turn down Auburn, Southern Cal, A&M, uh, that that tells me a lot, and it also tells me a lot when you get a cornerback uh, from Long Beach, California, and I'm always leery about those kids because that's a long way from home, but cornerback Dalen Austin, according to reports, had offers from Alabama, Oregon, Penn State, USC, and others, uh, and he becomes the number six commitment for LSU in 2023. How, how excited do you get about kids all the way out there in California? I've seen so many commitments early and then when it comes down to sign on the dotted line eh, mom says don't go that far away from home yeah i think it might be a little bit different here you know um i think that this is something that he might have been going to notre dame jordy okay um if brian kelly were still at in south bend um and you can't you can't how do i want you can't say that the relationships that Brian Kelly met are not trickling over. So I, it, would, it would seem to me as if that you have a kid that with this kind of speed and athleticism, uh, I mean, look, Jordan, I mean, he was in Notre Dame. I think his first unofficial visit ever was to Notre Dame. So, okay. I, I mean, the, the, the thing with, with Dalen Austin is, is that you get a kid that's long. You know, really and truthfully, he is – in an LSU comparison, um, I don't want to. I don't want to say Trey White, but he has a lot of Trey White features. Um, I think a kid can play, and he's extremely explosive, extremely fast. And coming from Polly, those kids, you know, Jordy, there are a lot of kids from Cali that transfer a lot. Polly's not historically one of them. Um, but look, we'll see. I mean, with the transfer portal these days, you never know. But. Yeah. I think they did their due diligence here, and I think that he could be a kid that, quite honestly, um, might push for some playing time when he comes in. Um, he, he's that he's that long, he's that explosive, he's that rangy. Um, he's got great ball skills. So, uh, I, I mean, look, it's, I think it's a very good addition. Uh, no offense to Trey White, but I was hoping you were going to say something like uh, a Derek Stingley or a Corey Webster or uh, 
Taran Matthew, people like that. But anyway, it is what it is. Uh, we welcome Dalen Austin aboard. When you look at um, what, what you anticipate losing via the, the draft or whatever after this season, um, is there a specific point of emphasis for this next recruiting class? Or do you want to get five of these and three of these like you do every year? Well, I think that they, because, because of the fact offensive linemen and quarterbacks commit early, I think that they're, you know, their focus will be to start in the trenches here soon. Um, I think that they might get another DB. They get two safeties. They need a couple more corners. They could probably take another tight end. They obviously need offensive line. They're going to need receivers. Um, so they got a lot of things to make up here. I mean, it's still very early. You know, Jordan, the way I explain it to people, Alabama has three commits as of right now, right? Like a lot of people wanting to see more recruits. I understand it. Um, but if Nick Saban's not worried, neither should you. Uh, and so I, I think I think that they're piecing some things together. I, I know on the offensive line, I, I hear some things that you might get one or two that are going to pop here maybe in the next couple of weeks. If not sooner than that, maybe within a, or or maybe even later than that, maybe within a month. Um, but Brian Kelly's going to put a lot of emphasis on the offensive line, especially at that center position. I think that they got somebody in mind, but we'll we'll see. Okay. Um, the big elephant in the room is right down the street in New Orleans. Um, for the longest time, LSU wasn't even in, in mentioned with Arch Manning, but apparently the, his high school coach said nobody's done a better job than Brian Kelly with Arch, and apparently mm-hmm. Arch is going to come visit and go to a game. So, well, I mean, that's that's great news. Um, I don't know if there's a chance of getting him, but at least you're a little bit in the hunt, whereas before you weren't even in the same area code. Uh, yeah, I mean... <clears throat> I don't know how to make you know make this, Jordy. I mean, I, I don't even know if he's going to go to Texas. Like, you know, now that I, you know, uh, even when you think about Texas, I mean, if Texas starts being Texas again and they start losing again, is he going to go there? You know, I, I mean, maybe they are in the race, and if they are in the race and they get him, you know, then I, I think that that's a big deal. I think that Joe Sloan is going to be the the, the biggest thing here. I think that Brian Kelly being as hands-on with quarterbacks as he is is going to be a big thing here. I'm not saying that they can't do it. I think it's a long way to go. I agree. But, Jerry, I think that you there's a situation with quarterbacks that I don't think we're going to have to worry about. I think that they're in the mix for a couple of them, and they have contingency plans. They're not, you know, we're not I looking understand. at having right. to go to JUCO or wherever to go get a quarterback or whatever Orsron, or go in the portal, whatever Orsron was doing, um, I think I think Joe Sloan is a key piece here. I don't want to say he's the key piece, but I think if you had to ask me who is the most important in this recruitment more than anybody outside of Brian Kelly, it's Joe Sloan. Can Joe Sloan make the, the correct uh, uh, recruiting pitch to the entire Manning family? I think he can do that. I think that you have Eli Holstein, whose older brother played for Joe Sloan. There's a lot of interesting ties here. Joe Sloan being a part of the Manning camp and teaching quarterbacks and him being one of the camp, the camp supervisors. 
that's hand-selected by Peyton. I, I think that those are small things, Jordy, that you can look into. But of eight positions, two of them, three of them by the Mannings, why is and everybody across the country, why is Joe Sloan one of them? Hmm. So I, I think that you could, you could put a lot of ties in there to that. Again, I think it's a long way to go, but I think right. there's a lot of interesting ties. But, again, to go full circle, um, at least – They've got a boxer's chance now, whereas before they they weren't yep. even in the in the mix at all on this thing. And I still think the biggest battle is Alabama. I just I still think that's that's the one. I don't know why. I I have no insider information. Uh, but one went to Tennessee. One went to Ole Miss. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. Well, it's gonna um, be interesting to see what what Eli Holstein out of Zachary does. You know, he's on campus again. Um, like we just mentioned, Joe Sloan recruited and got his older brother to sign. You know, it's interesting to see what Eli Holstein's going to do because a lot of people believe that he's going to Bama. And, Jordy, if that's the case, then I think Nick Saban's got a little impatient and just moved on or he knows something that we don't. Um, but I don't, I don't disagree with you, though, because I think that, he, that, that Saban's making the push that to the Manning's, like, he's my last great quarterback. You know what I mean, Jordan? Like, he's my yeah. last hope. Once he's done, I'm out. Yeah. And I think that that sell means to the Manning's, well, uh-oh, like, he's going to want to win two or three. Like, you're going to – like, Saban's ultra-focused now. What's he about to do? And yeah. so, we'll see. But I, I, I don't count – I never count Alabama out of anything on anybody in any recruit ever. Agreed. If they want him, you're in a fight with him. Agree. Um, Arch, I mean, yeah, Peyton never won um, a championship in college. Eli never won a championship in college. Boy, he gives you the best shot to win a championship in college. So, so we shall see. It, we shall see. It'll be very, very, very interesting. What are all your uh, your podcast listeners saying about LSU baseball? Um. I think that the honey, I don't want to say the honeymoon's over, but I think that it's a little bit more of a realistic take now. I mean, Jordy, when you had TCU that was dead last in the country a season ago, and then uh, Schlossnagel, the new head coach, and, and comes in there um, and is second in the West, I, I think that Jay's going to have to be compared to him. And Jay's going to have to take the hit of not going and evaluating his roster and the starting pitching. Jordy, you're not losing an entire – you might lose a series because Jacob Berry's out of the lineup. You're not losing a series like that because Jacob Berry's out of the lineup. This has a lot to do with pitching. Jordy, they struck out 34 times this weekend. <laughs> that has yeah. nothing to do with Jacob Berry. Absolutely nothing. Thank so, you. Jay's got to take some heat here. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. He's going to have to get some guys that can go seven innings. He's got to get a guy. On that mound. Because yeah. once you get to Paul Gervais, once you get to uh, uh, Riley Cooper, once you get to Razelman, okay, you better, you're praying to God at that point that they got their stuff. Right? And you, need, and you ride them <coughs> excuse me, more than you need to. And so I think Jay's taking some heat, but they feel it's worth it. 
Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of early. He's got a good recruiting class coming in, but um, yeah. Yep. It, look, we talked about their defensive woes all year long. Their pitching was exposed to the T this weekend, and I thought they I thought they came out there and uh, didn't have the fire that you need to play in, in a baseball game or in any sporting event. In that eleven to one loss, they, they just looked like they were you know they fell behind. They said, "Oh, forget it. We'll forget it. We'll just we'll live to play another day." Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Yep. Now they got to go play at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt just won two out of three at Arkansas, so they're hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I look. I, I, bottom line with this baseball team is you can't let somebody start jawing at you and get under your skin for you to get focused. Right. Yeah. I don't know what happened this weekend, but um, Jay called his team out Saturday night saying that they weren't focused. They're not prepared. They're not ready to go. Somebody should have asked a little bit more of a, a deliberate question of him to expand that. Um, what happened Friday night, Jordy, when the game got rained out, and why did Jay Johnson lose his stuff? Like, why did mm-hmm. he go off on his team? Yeah. I think that that's some, maybe right. something that we're, we'll never really know. Um, but I thought that was interesting the way that he talked about that. I'm with you. Uh, and again, I've never seen, uh, I, I talked with uh, Chris Reed earlier in the program. I've never seen a picture go out and deliberately be told or not be told, but the game plan was he was going to pitch to one batter, the starting picture to one batter, and then was going to be out. And that's exactly what happened. And he was quote, we, we tried to, to surprise them and trick them. Don't you baseball doesn't need to trick anybody. Just go play the game. What are you talking about, right? Well, and I think, too, you know, a lot of people talk about, Jordy, about it being an unwritten rule, and Jay broke an unwritten rule um, this this weekend. Um, that doesn't sit well with people. If you talk to any yeah. MLB scout or anybody like that, you know, Jordy, they're not getting beat down and you put in Albert Pujols because he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. You know, like you're you're deliberately doing something – that is one of those unwritten rules. Every sport has them. You don't yeah. twist a guy's knee in football. You, I, you know, there's certain same kind of aspects in basketball, same kind of thing in baseball. He he broke an unwritten rule, and they got they got mad, and he paid for it. But Jordy, That's you right. can't throw fastballs, all fastballs in this league, especially right. the Ole Miss, because they're going to rock you. You got you got to have secondary stuff, man, and they didn't, yeah. and they got smashed for it. He is Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. He joins us on Mondays. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Jordy. See you next All week. Right. We'll take a time out. We'll be back to wrap things up here on the Jordy Helpert Show. All right. Finishing touches to this Monday, May 16th edition. If today is your birthday, well, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Hope you have a great day. We've got some... Uh, um, entertainers and performers that are celebrating birthdays today. Pierce Brosnan. Uh, I love him. He's 69 years young today. Janet Jackson is 56. And Megan Fox, um, James Mesh's big crush, is 36 years young today. Special thanks to all of our guests. Chris, I'm kidding, James. Maybe I'm not. Uh, Chris Reed, Mason Ginsburg, talking NBA, Karaski Melvin, all things Rage and Cajuns. Mike Neighbors, The Breezeway, and Blake Rafino. Tomorrow, Bob Rose on the uh, of, of the Saints uh, News Network with the addition of Jarvis Landry and, and all that stuff going on. And uh, 
We'll have a PGA Tour preview with our good friend Alex Myers, who joins us prior to each and every major tournament in golf. So, James, thank you for all you do. Thanks to y'all for listening. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Thank you, like Eon, Smarter Body Contouring. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friends. Be kind to everybody, and let's all be happy. Have a great one, everybody. See you tomorrow.